Good morning, good morning, good morning. My soul is anchored in the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. It's one of my mother's favorite songs. And we're going to get into why that song is so important to this message today. As we talk about being sold up and sold out. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son, Jesus, we thank you, O God, for gracing us with another day. We thank you, O God, that you chose to wake us up this morning. Not because we're so deserving, but because you are so awesome. And Lord, we come before your throne knowing that in your awesomeness, just the fact that you took the time to wake us up this morning lets us know that you have a divine plan for us. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word, to receive your directives and your guidance so that we can pursue what you have ordained for our lives. Amen, amen, and amen. I cannot believe that we're here at the last Sunday in February already, we started this year proclaiming that this would be a year of pursuing purpose. And we began by defining purpose and disclosing what our purposes entailed in according to the standards of God. We learned about the importance of saltiness and we talked about the magnitude of our brains and how our brains are our control centers, our hard drives. This morning, I want to talk to and educate you about your soul. About your soul. Mm. From the beginning, people have been distinct from the animal kingdom. The creation accounts all animal life was spoken into existence. However, on the sixth day, God paused. Woo! Thank you, God. He paused to personally create man. The scripture says in Genesis 2 and 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Hmm. More than the hands-on approach to forming man, it is the breathing of God's breath into his nostrils, which made man unique from the rest of creation. The phrase, a living soul, should not be passed over lightly, for it speaks much of humanity's essential nature. The Hebrew word for soul is nepesh, and it carries tremendous theological and physiological importance. Any high school biology student could acknowledge that people, humanity shares many aspects of life with other creatures on this planet. All require nourishment, must reproduce, 
and respond to their environment in some way, shape, or form. With mammals, humans share even more of the same aspects such as breathing and live birth. But mankind alone is a living soul. Humans alone have the privilege of knowing God in a personal way, sharing his wisdom and enjoying eternal life. Only mankind is threatened with the prospect of eternal torment for rejecting God. Think about that for a moment. Pause right here for a moment and think about that. Only mankind is threatened with the prospect of eternal torment for rejecting God. Because all these things are made possible by God's creation of a man and a woman with a soul. The Lord created the body to link humans to the physical realm and the soul was given to link humans to the spiritual realm. Thus the soul is variously understood in the Old Testament as the seat of emotions, the center of thought and reason, the source of ambition, and the arena of spiritual perception and faith. If we properly understand the profound meaning encapsulated in the word soul, then the greatest of all commandments carries a far deeper significance than a surface reading would allow. We are not merely called to love the Lord with our, all of our heart and all of our might but also with all of our soul. That's outlined in Deuteronomy 6 and 5. We should love the Lord with every fiber of our being, with everything that makes us human, with everything that separates us from animals. With that being said, there are Four things that we need to specifically address today. The first one being, why is it that Satan wants our soul? The second thing that we must address is how to guard our souls. Then we're going to talk about the necessity to pray for our soul and the souls of others. And we're going to close this out with grasping and getting a full understanding of what it truly means to be sold out. It really does not require a deep explanation. It's really simple why Satan wants our soul. Our soul is our absolute connection to God. The very thing that Satan detests See, if we keep our soul in proper perspective with God, we will turn from Satan. And not only will we turn from him, we will be committed in the spreading, in the teaching, in the exaltation of the gospel. So you see how this would annihilate Satan's agenda? If believers, those who profess to love God, 
would keep their souls in check, we could collectively tear Satan's kingdom down. Our souls are like bombs. If detonated, we could blow up Satan's world. So Satan operates like a bomb squad using every tactic possible to get our souls so that he can disarm us before we have a chance to take part in an explosion that would kill his whole agenda. The great Shirley Caesar has a song entitled, Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down. The lyrics go like this. The preachers are going to preach your kingdom down. The mothers are going to pray your kingdom down. Pastor Caesar issued a bomb threat on Satan as the closing line of that song tells him, you've been building your kingdom all in the house of God. Satan, we're going to tear your kingdom down down. We have to take the condition of our souls seriously. Because if we don't, we will hand deliver our very soul to Satan as a gift wrapped package with a bow. If you know someone who is plotting against your demise has hatred in their heart for you. I don't care how saved and sanctified you are. If you must be in their presence, you are on guard. You have little conversation for them. And you make every attempt possible to steer clear of them. You even begin to watch who is interacting with them, who seems to have befriended them. And you take a mental note, adding them to a list of those that you may need to keep at a distance. We need to do the same thing when it comes to Satan. And stop being so passive and free-spirited around the very ones whose whole objective is to obtain and destroy your very soul. Peter and John both give us some words of advice. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, just in case you didn't know, he's prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And then John tells us in 1 John 4 and 1, Beloved, He's trying to get your attention. He said, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. We have become a people that believe everything. If it looks good, if it sounds good, if it has the right beat, if it makes us emotional, if it taps into our spirit of empathy, then we declare it as being God. But but John says, beloved, don't believe every spirit. Take the time to test 
the spirit to see whether they're from God. How do we guard our souls? The word soul can refer to both the immaterial and material aspects of humanity. Human beings have a spirit, but human beings are souls. We all have developed a love-hate relationship with our cell phones. It's amazing how much such a small device can do and, and how much one single small device can have as an impact on our life. Our cell phones have become our life's navigation tool. We no longer need a map in our car because our cell phones have GPS. We can send emails and texts and tweets and, and uh, social media posts that can reach around the globe all from this little device. We no longer even have to wonder if the Krispy Kreme donuts are hot and ready because there's an app for that. We can get the score of any sporting event known in the world in a matter of minutes. And then to top it off and to be the cherry on top, we can use that small device to make a call. We love our cell phones, but there's a part of us that should hate our phones. Why, Pastor? Are you talking against phones? No, I'm not. But what I want you to realize is because we are addicted to our cell phones and their ability. Every time our phone buzzes or beeps, we are addicted to finding out who or what is trying to contact us. Our cell phones tend to distract us from quality time with loved ones. We occasionally find ourselves at the dinner table staring at a screen instead of staring at our loved ones. I respect and honor Families who have put rules in place that say no phones at the dinner table or no phones during what is designated as quality time. Again, don't get me wrong, I'm a techie. I love technology. And technology has been a blessing to mankind. But because we have allowed an imbalance to redirect our focus and priorities. Technology has also created a culture of anxiousness, a culture of stress. We have to make a conscious effort to guard our souls. And to guard our souls, we must first understand that one of the biggest enemies of our soul is distractions. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 39. And the scripture reads, And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted 
with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her. Tell her, Lord. Tell her to help me. Luke makes it clear that Martha was distracted with much serving. And our immediate thought may be, of course she was distracted with serving. She, she had to feed the entire household. And she had to entertain the house guests. Not to mention the Lord God was present. Serving is a good thing. The issue in this passage is not about serving. It's about the heart of serving. Mary Martha was so distracted from the reason for her serving. She was so focused on what needed to be done that she forgot who she was truly serving and why she was serving them. There are some of us who are guilty of this as we busy ourselves in our local churches and, and, and planning the activities and the events and so forth. And then we wonder why there's so much confusion in our church, bitterness towards one another, jealous rages, backbiting, manipulation. I should be singing. You should be singing. I don't like the way they prayed. And all of this part of planning and executing of the administrative and, and the worship duties of those who profess that they just want to serve God. But how can this be? Just like Martha, we become so distracted that we forget who we are serving and why we are serving. Martha was serving, but her heart was not focused on God. The second half of that verse, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? That my sister has left me alone to serve. Tell her, God. You know this ain't right. Tell her. This is unjust going on in your presence. Tell her to get up and help me. She forgot why she was serving and who she was serving. She lost sight of what the purpose was. Instead of realizing that she got to serve the Lord of Lords, she changed that she had to serve. I think the attitude from have to to get to is a huge divide and be, can be crossed in a millisecond. Martha went from welcoming Jesus into her home to questioning his love for her. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? She questioned his love and concern for her in the midst of all of this, the very one she wanted to welcome and honor. Her bitterness affected her relationship with God. Do you see how dangerous serving the Lord with the wrong heart can be? We must be on guard because it's the subtle things that are dangerous. The little things, 
the little distractions, the little things that redirect our focus. The second thing that we must do in guarding our souls is not be consumed with fitting in, not be consumed with following the trends of the world, not seeking approval of those whose souls that we know is not connected to God. And even those who you think soul is connected to God, you still need to have some discernment. Because as we seek the approval of others, we become distractive from what the priority should be in our lives. Which is the exaltation of our love for God. We are more consumed with who liked our picture that we posted on social media. And if anyone made a comment about what we posted, when is the last time you were that anxious about knowing if God liked your picture? If God liked your attitude? If God approved your actions and your reaction? When was the last time you wondered what God's comment would be concerning anything you were engaged in? Glory to God. The guarding of our souls require us to not be distracted by the world's standards, but to be consumed with the will and the ways of God. If you were ever in a museum, or if you ever get to go to a museum, there, there will be some pieces that are enclosed in glass where they can't be touched they're put there for safekeeping. They can still be adorned, but they're just not accessible. Matthew 22 and 37, it reads, And she and he said to them, You shall love your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. When you love God, you love his word. You are diligent in keeping his commandments. And in return for your love towards him, God will put a glass shield around your soul. Whereby Satan and his minions can see the godly works of your soul but can't touch it. Hallelujah. When you understand the importance of guarding your soul, you will also accept that you can't act and react according to the standards of the world. You don't get to date like the world. You don't get to spin like the world. You don't get to talk like the world. You don't get to envy like the world. You don't get to seek the advice and accolades of the world. When you understand the importance of guarding your soul. The only way to guard your heart from the snares of Satan is to be submitted to the word of God. We started off this morning with a song, my soul is anchored in the Lord. An anchor is a device normally made of metal used to secure a vessel to the bed of a body of water to prevent the craft from drifting due to wind and currents. 
when we proclaim that our soul is anchored, what we are declaring is that we as vessels are secured by the Almighty and we sit in and we dwell in his living water which will keep us from drifting when the winds and the currents of this world come against us. That's what it means to be anchored in the Lord. When you have turned it all over to him and you allow him to keep you you allow his standards to keep you his will to keep you his word to keep you his ways to keep you from drifting when the winds and the currents of this world come against you in our efforts to guard our souls we must also be specific in our prayers we have to start including our prayers. We have to start including in our prayers mention of our souls. We pray for provision. We pray for health. We pray for guidance. But we rarely pray over our souls. We rarely pray for peace. And these two things go hand in hand. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Your soul is so important. Your soul is important enough for you to pause in your prayer and pray over your soul. Matthew 10, 28 says, and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body. Some of us have Children who have gone astray. Loved ones out there doing God knows what. And we pray for them with sincere hearts. But let's get more specific and begin to pray for their souls. The thing Satan is after. The thing that he uses to distract us. Is all about him getting to our souls. The reason why he wants to keep our minds distracted. The reason he wants to keep us more committed to the desires of our flesh. He doesn't want our minds. Satan doesn't want our bodies. He attacks those things for no other reason than for us to get him in a place where he have access to our souls. 
Praying for souls is essential. Praying for souls is part of the plans of the kingdom of heaven. Psalms 23 and 3 reads, He restoreth my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice the scripture didn't say he restoreth my mind. It didn't even say he restoreth my faith. The path of righteousness requires restoration of the soul. And last but not least, I want to specifically address what it means to be sold out. We all get excited when we hear Hezekiah Walker's song, Sold Out. And yes, it's one of my favorites too. I don't even have to stray too far from the lyrics of the song to explain to you this morning what it means to be sold out. See, too many times we get so caught up in the rhythm of the beat, we don't allow the words to minister to us. The words go right over our heads. Again, distraction will have you gift-wrapping your soul and handling over to Satan if you're not careful. The lyrics to the song say, my heart is fixed. My mind's made up. No room, no vacancies. I'm all filled up. His spirit lives in me. Mic drop. My heart is fixed. Meaning my heart is committed and submitted to God's word. My heart is committed and submitted to God's will. My heart is committed and submitted to God's way. The definition of fixed is to be fastened securely in position, unmovable, unable to be swayed or distracted by whatever comes by, be it today's trends or fantasies of tomorrow. When your heart is fixed, you can then proclaim there is no room, there is no vacancy, no space for foolishness, no room or allotment for rationalization of sins against the Almighty. Why? Because I am all filled up as I have allowed the Spirit of God to live in me. Deuteronomy 4.24 Reads, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. When your heart is fixed, you understand that your heart is the most precious piece of real estate you will ever own. Now you can run it like a boarding house. Or you can maintain it as a single family home. But the moment that you allow God to move in. I want you to know he's not a God that will allow roommates to dwell alongside him. So no, when you enter into that covenant agreement, you proclaim that God is the master of this house. And you can proclaim, I am all filled up. No room, no vacancies. I'm all Build up. He occupies every room in this piece of real estate. 
I'm filled up. There's not a room that I can give you. There's not a vacant spot that I can lend to foolishness. My heart is fixed. My mind's made up. I'm sold out. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, we give you honor. We give you praise, O God. As we come before your throne asking you, Lord, to restore our souls, anchor our souls to your will and your way. Lord, keep our minds turned from the distractions of this world as our desire is that our soul be sold out to you and used for the magnification of your kingdom to be used for your glory. Amen, amen, and amen.